How are we feeling today? How are we feeling today? You know, one thing that I love about Imprint is that we're encouragers. And, and at Imprint, I can honestly say, since I've been a part of this family, this is where the joy is at. This is where the joy is at. This is where you're guaranteed peace. And this is where you're guaranteed love. All right, and this is where community is at, all right? So let's give a round of applause to the service lead and the worship team. What I want to do before I start, as, as we were worshiping, I really felt um, God actually change the structure that I initially had. Um, so in light of all that's happening, all that we're reading in the news at the moment, I just want to read a scripture over everyone. Um, you don't need to put this up. I'll just read it. So Psalm 91, it says, Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Hear this part. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though 10,000 are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Can we say amen to that? Yeah. But open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. Say amen. Yeah. No plague will come near your home. Say amen. Yeah. For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. Say amen. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life, and give them my salvation. Amen. Um, so we're in the second week of our series called Holiness. Who was here last week when Pastor Wale preached? Who was here last week when Pastor Wale preached? So just, just a brief recap. Last week, Pastor Wale touched on... Um, holiness in the matter of in the ark of God and how in the Old Testament the ark of God represented the presence of God right we all know that and we see this in Exodus and what he also touched on is the temple of God and how priests use the temple of God for the atonement of their sins right so by using animal sacrifices and so on do we remember that and then what he also touched on was the fact that in the New Testament, how things differ 
is that in the New Testament, Jesus actually paid the price for our sins. So it's no longer what happened before by way of animal sacrifices. Now what's happening is if we place our faith in Jesus Christ, if we believe him to be Lord and Savior, we are saved. Our sins are removed and we're considered as holy ones. And this is what we see in Ephesians. Do, do we all agree with that? Do we accept that as truth? Is that the word that we've all read? Amen. Praise God. So this week, um, the, the, how I'll be moving forward with this um, kind of series is um, essentially looking at holiness. But what about those moments when we don't feel holy? Right? What about those moments when, you know, you know the word says that you're a holy one, you're a chosen generation, but reality isn't reflecting that. And this is what we have to face, face as Christians. It's always the reality between what heavenly or heavenly identity and what's actually happening in the earth. All right. So how I'm going to go about this is I want to start with a story. Um, and then I'll move forward with the word. So the story goes like this. One day there was a man passing these elephants. He suddenly stopped and was confused at the fact that these large creatures were being held by only a small rope to their front leg. No chains or cages. It was obvious that the elephants could at any point break away from their bond. But for some reason they did not. He saw their keeper nearby and asked why these elephants just stood there and made no attempt to get away. And this is what the keeper responded with. He said, well, when they are very young and much smaller, the same, we use the same size rope. And at that age, it's enough to hold them. As they grow, they are conditioned to believe they can't break away. They believe the rope can still hold them, so they make no attempt to try to break away. The man was amazed. These elephants could break free, but because they believed they couldn't, they were stuck right there. And what's this lesson? The lesson there is never let a failure or a lie stop you from taking the truth in front of you. Never let a failure or a lie stop you from taking forth the truth in front of you. And I've got a question for you. How many of us, when we really think about it, we're saved, but we're still holding on to lies? You're a holy one, but you're still believing that you're not loved by God. You're a holy one, but you're still believing that you're alone. Even though the word says that I will never leave nor forsake you. Even though the word says that the Lord knew you even before you was in your mother's womb. So to introduce the series, introduce the second part of this series. My sermon today is called Choosing Truth Over Lies. Who can have that up? Choosing Truth Over Lies. Who's excited today? Choosing truth over lies. Who's excited today? 
I'll do it one more time. Choosing truth over lies. Who's excited today? All right, all right, all right. All right, so essentially the verses that I'm using as foundation for today is 1 Thessalonians 5.23 and Hebrews 4.12. If we could all turn to 1 Thessalonians first. And when you're there, tell me I got you. When you're there, tell me I got you. All right, so 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says this. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. In the NIV, in the NIV version, it's slightly different. don't know if we've got it up. So I'll read it one more time. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ. And then the second, um, the second uh, scripture that I've got for us. So Hebrews 4.12, if we could turn there as well. And if you're there, tell me I got you. That was quick. Hebrews 4.12. You got me? You sure? Uh-huh. All right. So Hebrews 4.12 says this. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost fruit. Innermost, what does I say? Innermost thoughts and desires. I couldn't read my own writing. So something interesting there, which is that as human beings, and this is, you'll understand this as I explain it, as human beings, we are essentially three components, right? We're three components. We are spirit, we are soul, and we are body, all right? Did you not see that in the scriptures? So in First Thessalonians, we see that he says, he talks about the spirit, he talks about the soul, and he talks about the body all in one scripture. And then in Hebrews, we see he talks about the soul and spirit. All right? So as human beings, we're composed of those three, spirit, soul, and body. And now for the next part, what I want to do is if I could have three volunteers, three very kind volunteers. <laughs> All right, and then if I can have one more. Yes, Joseph, come up. Give them a round of applause. I don't think that was loud enough. Give them a round of applause. Um, what I'll do if I could have you in the middle, Joseph. So what we'll do is... So spirit, soul, body, these form a human being, all right? Now, the spirit is your real self. The soul is essentially, the spirit and soul is composed of your will, your emotions, and your mind. So in other words, you can see it as the spirit and soul, these are immaterial aspects of us, right? Now, the body, 
of course, is the material. So this is what we see. Now, the body is essentially only the shell. All right? Does anyone agree with that? Now, what happens now, as we see in Genesis, when God formed man, we see that he formed him from the dust of the... He formed him from the grass of the... And then what it says in Genesis, it says that God breathed the breath of life or the spirit of life into man. All right? And as he did that, it says, then man became a living being. All right? So God breathed into him. So these are the three components that form us. Now, we see this uh, in, in John 3 when Nicodemus is interacting with Jesus. Nicodemus asks Jesus, what does a man have to do to be born again? And we all know Jesus is what Jesus as Lord and Savior, the transformation happens where? So in our series, when we're talking about holiness, the transformation happens here. Is that sinking in? So it's, we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior and we confess it, immediately our spirit becomes alive and we are now referred to as holy ones. Chosen generation, a royal priesthood, the children of God, as it says in John. Now, <laughs> this is where the challenge comes. It's that even though our spirit is now born again and we're now children of God, the soul still has a lot of transformation to go through. Many of us, you know, we've, we've in, in my case, for example, I've been, I was saved when I was 20 through, 2019. You, know, you have to, so I got saved when I was 19, right? And I spent, 19. I gave my life to Christ when I was 19. So I spent 18 years of my life living in the world. Now, what exactly happened during those 18 years? There was a programming that was done, right? There was habits, there were patterns that I developed. There was a way of thinking that I was used to. Now, those 18 years, now when I got saved at 19, yes, the transformation came, but the Lord still had to do a work in me. And he's still doing that today. So we all have to go through this process called sanctification. And that's the process that our soul goes through. Is this making sense? All right, so the challenge is, is that as much as well as we were in the world and we're still battling the problem of the soul, or the soul is still being sanctified, is that many of us, this is where the lies essentially are. Because this is where our, this is what our, this is where our mind is, right? So when we're battling certain thoughts, like I mentioned earlier, like, you're rejected, or you're alone, or no one loves you, or you're never going to make it, or you're inadequate. This is where the lies are taking place. And there, what I find interesting in the scriptures is that the Lord says that the word of God refreshes our mind. 
that the work, the more we spend time with God, he's actually breathing into us and changing our mind, sanctifying us and transforming the way we think. And it says in Romans that he be renewed by the, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So this is where the transformation takes place. Now watch this now. We've given our lives to Christ. We're holy. Our soul is being transformed. Now, the moment we turn our back and we backslide, the Spirit of God leaves us. And then when we repent, he comes and enters us again. Now, what I want to do, if you could put the signs down. How God always, and then if you could hold hands, how God always, uh, how God always intended for us to function is this way. slowly. The point there is that God always wanted our spirit, soul, and body to function as one. In the same way, that's okay now. In the same way when we see, give them a round of applause. Thank you so much. In the same way when we see in Genesis when God, uh, when God uh, formed Adam and you know, Adam and Eve were there together, we see that they were in communion with God. That was happening through their spirit, right? And then when they sinned, they were no longer in communion with God. But when we repent and we come back to God and we see in the New Testament, the spirit of God enters us and God's desire is for us to walk in communion with him, all right? So the question that I've got for you lots here is, are you winning the fight in your mind? Or are you winning the battle in your mind? And I feel that God, what God wants to do tonight is God actually wants to help some of us let go of those thoughts that are saying, you're not good enough. Or let go of those thoughts that are saying, you're alone, you're not loved, you're rejected. And as I was preparing for this last night, I found this illustration that was really powerful. And this illustration goes like this. If you can imagine this bottle. So I'm holding this bottle up, right? Can anyone guess how much this bottle weighs? Okay. So, so, so the point, the point, 400 grams. So we've got 400 grams there. Who else wants to take a guess? 300. I think she said 1,000. <laughs> we'll take one more guess. 250. Bottle weighs 20 grams. Now, this is the point that I want to make. So, this bottle, the actual reality is, with the point that I want to make, it doesn't matter how much the bottle weighs. So, imagine this. 
if I'm holding this bottle, the weight doesn't matter. But imagine I'm holding the bottle for about a minute. My arm is still okay, right? But if I'm holding the bottle for about an hour, my arm starts to ache. Following? If I'm holding the bottle for a day, what might happen is that I'll get a cramp and my arm may end up being paralyzed. And then what will happen is I'll drop it. Now, similarly, what happens when we're holding certain negative thoughts, toxic thoughts, that you're not good enough, you'll never make it, you're inadequate, for a while, it might be okay. okay you're going around life and you're all right. You're smiling. You come to church, you put on a smile. But there will get a time when that will damage you. And what God is saying tonight is he wants to help you let go every single thought holding you back and transform you. That's what the Lord is saying tonight. And many of us, that's what's holding us back in our walk with God. It's what's holding us back. It's we haven't truly allowed God to transform us. We haven't truly allowed God to get into our minds and really whisper who we really are. And who are you? You're holy. You're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're loved by God and you're chosen by God. And the word says one that I love very much is that even before you were in your mother's womb, he knew you. And he predestined every single one of you. But that's what the Lord is desiring to do tonight. And you may be wondering, okay, why is this important exactly? Well, the reason why it's important is because, you know, one of my favorite preachers, Rick Warren, he says that the greatest asset is your mind. The greatest asset is your mind. So if you can win the bottle of your mind, the, the, the battle of your mind, you're set up for success. And I was on the phone to Stephen earlier and uh, uh, yesterday, and we were just talking about, uh, you know, wishful thinking that's going on nowadays where, where people think they can just kind of wish things and, 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 you know, the whole idea of positive thinking. Here, we're not necessarily talking about positive thinking. Here we're saying, allowing God to work in you for transformation. Because at the end of the day, positive thoughts are not salvation. <sighs> you can't wish your salvation in place. Salvation is only something that God does. And so... <laughs> I even feel like letting these notes go because, oh my goodness. Um, now, why is the mind the greatest asset of your mind? In Ephesians, the greatest asset in your life. In Ephesians, um, we see that it talks about to be made new in the attitude of our minds. In Romans, we also see that it says to be transformed by the renewing of your... And what I find fascinating is also in Mark... Um, uh, Jesus says something when he's asked what are the two most important commandments he says one is to love the Lord your God with all your heart mind 
soul, and strength. So your mind is a crucial element of your walk with God. And another scripture that proves this is we see in Proverbs, it says that as a man thinketh, so is he. And the very word repentance itself is from the Greek word metanoia, which means a change of mind. So how, how exactly do you go about choosing to believe the truth, choosing truth over lies? What's the process? You know, what, what are some of the tools that you can um, utilize? The, the very first one that I feel compelled to, to say is, I believe that Jesus saves. And I believe that the very, very first step to transformation is accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior. I remember before I gave my life to Christ, um, I was living life with this sense of void. You know, it's, it's, there was really no purpose to my life. It's, 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 as if, it's as if, I don't know what my life was, I don't know where I was going with my life and I was confused. And the minute I gave my life to Christ, he brought meaning to my life. And the very void that I initially had was filled with peace. The void that I had, that I was trying to fill through many different things, instantly was gone. And I had peace and he filled me with joy. He filled me with his Holy Spirit. So the very first step to transformation is accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But even beyond that, I've got three tools for you lot tonight. Uh, uh, and it goes like this. Know the word apply the word and speak the word if we could say that together know the word apply the word and speak the word let's say that louder know the word apply the word and speak the word the word when i say know the word here i'm not just talking about head knowledge here is not just you know I read my Bible in the morning and, you know, I can put on Instagram, the thing, and then, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not just, it's, it's not this. I'm not talking about this. Uh, what's Instagram saying? You've got, you've got your Bible in front of you. I'll watch this drop. You've got, your, you've got your word in front of you. And then a message pops up. And all of a sudden, your mind is elsewhere. You've got your word in front of you, and then you think, hey, let me just quickly make toast. <laughs> or you've got the word in front of you, and you think, oh, yeah, that direct debit has to come out. Into the... Where is it coming out? Oh, yeah, 27th. Right. No, 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 no. When, when, I, <laughs> when I say no the word here, when we're talking about knowing the word, it goes beyond head knowledge. And when I say know the word, the very word know, the first time we see it come up is in Genesis 4. And in Genesis 4, what we see is it says, Adam knew his wife, Eve, and she conceived. And the word know there, its Hebrew origin is sexual intercourse. So in other words, Adam 
knew his wife, so he had sexual intercourse with her and she conceived. Now, similarly, when it comes to the word, what God wants us to do is have intercourse with the word. Hear me? What God, the same way that Adam spent time with and in Eve, the same way God wants us to spend time with and in the word. Because it's only through spending time with and in the word that we receive what we call revelation. Revelation doesn't come if you're skipping through verses. Revelation doesn't come if you're thinking, yo, what's the latest post on my Instagram feed? Revelation only comes if you're spending time with and in the word. Is that making sense? Um, one of my favorite scriptures is in Psalms. It says, those who know their God will have strength. Now, what can we get from this? What we can get from that is great strength comes from great revelation. Um, the the uh, verses that I read earlier, Psalm 91, um, there's actually a story behind why I read it. So when I was in final year of university I moved into a studio and this studio had two doors uh, one front door and one back door now moved in there and you know you know when you move into a place you kind of do inspection you know what's that no, no, no. I go and check the back door I go and check the back door and this back door was very loose it was as if anyone from the outside, all they have to do is just come on and they're in my house. They're in my studio. And I remember when I discovered this, literally I was shook. <laughs> I was shook. The, the, the thing that was coming to mind is, yo, what if I'm sleeping and someone just breaks into my house? Or what if I'm on campus and I come back and, you know, all my stuff is gone, my TV's gone, you know? <laughs> and I remember right there and then in that moment, God whispered Psalm 91 to me. Um, and it was quite interesting because when you look at Psalm 91, and it, it, this wasn't no coincidence, when you look at Psalm 91, we see that it's talking about things like no plague will come near your home, saying he will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. <laughs> so I'm reading this and I'm thinking, wow. But why did this come? This only came because a few days prior, I spent time with the word and in the word. And it's through spending time with and in the word you receive revelation. Imagine this. I want you all to imagine that you have a bank account with a bank that's called Revelation Bank. Now, this bank account now, a withdrawal is made at the end of the month. Now, that withdrawal that's made... It can only be made efficiently if there's money in your bank account, right? If there isn't enough money, what happens? Overdraft. 
if there isn't enough money, what happens? You go into overdraft. Now, I believe what God wants us, where God wants us to be in our relationship with him, he wants us to constantly deposit scriptures money into our account. So then what happens when situations arise, you have sufficient money for the, for the withdrawal to be made. When the direct debit comes about, you have sufficient money for the withdrawal to be made. The only way that you go into panic mode is if you go into overdraft. And why do you go into overdraft? Because you haven't deposited scriptures or money in your account. Is that making sense? So I believe God wants us to be in a place where we're constantly depositing. We're constantly depositing um, scriptures. We're constantly depositing verses that he's spoken to us into our account so that when situations come up, we can face them confidently because the Lord has spoken. Amen? Amen? What's the first step? The second step is apply the word. And the final step is speak the word. So when I talk about speaking the word, the first thing that comes to mind is What's Jesus' reaction? Does anyone know? What does he say? Huh? You got it? Uh-huh. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then what does he do? What's his reaction to the storm? He speaks to the storm. Exactly. And... As I was writing this first step, instantly the first thing that came to mind was when it comes to the word and the challenges that we're facing, it's not just a matter of thinking, oh, you know, it'll be, it'll be okay. It's a matter of speaking the word. The same way that Jesus didn't think the wind or the storm away, he spoke it away. In the same way that when we're faced with challenges, we're required to speak the word, so that then we can experience what? Victory. So the first step, know the word. The second step, apply the word. And the final step, speak the word. Amen? Just to kind of round up, um, I, I, I really... I really feel that there's some of us here who it's as if we're walking through life. If you can imagine a backpack, we've got a backpack on, um, one of those kind of huge camping bags, and we're walking through life with a bag kind of weighing us down. And when we see our friends, we're smiling, but yet we're worn down. And I really feel like tonight, God is saying, if we know the word, if we apply the word, and if we speak the word, we can go from this to him lifting the bag off. And that's what God wants to do tonight, I feel. He wants to lift the bag off so that we can experience victory 
and the very life that Jesus promised us, which is life in abundance. Amen.